Ibrahim, good morning. National COVID-19 Immunization Program Coordinating Minister Kairi Jamaluddin says that the government has prepared several backup plans in the event that it has to postpone the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine in the event that the vaccine was found to be unsuitable for use in the country. Now, why would the AstraZeneca vaccine not be suitable for use here? And does this have anything to do with the seven deaths recently in the UK? Yeah, that's the thing about um, the correlation between the seven deaths and the AstraZeneca vaccine because two weeks after the European Medicine um, Agency first assured EU member states that it found no link between the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and earlier reports of rare blood clots, a growing number of countries have announced new restrictions on the use of the jab. Uh, UK and Austria have imposed uh, no curbs. France, Sweden, Finland, Canada and most recently Germany have uh, recommended that younger people avoid the shot and Norway and Denmark can still suspend it. So in Malaysia, the NPRA and also the Ministry of Health is still um, evaluating the use of the vaccine. But for now, there's no news yet. OK, so what's Malaysia's current vaccination strategy then? And how well have we been executing, executing this? We have seen some numbers uh, from JKJAV, the special committee, about uh, rolling out the vaccine in Malaysia. And uh, we're looking at 7.8 million people having registered. That's 32 percent of the population of the uh, adult population of the country. And that's still low. Mm. They want 9 million uh, by the start of phase two, but phase two is starting on April 15th, if I'm mistaken, or 14th. Um, mm. And that's just, you know, 10 days away. Can they shore up 1 point something million in the next two weeks? So a lot of people are very skeptical on that. And therefore, we are confirmed to be lagging behind mm. in the number of uh, registrations. So with this AstraZeneca issue, does that mean we're going to be lagging behind even further now? No, it's not about the AstraZeneca per se. It's about the vaccination per se. And we'll, we'll talk about that very, uh, after this. But generally speaking, the vaccines aren't the problem. It's the vaccinations that's the problem. And secondary to that, so the primary problem is the vaccinations. The secondary problem is people registering for the vaccinations, mm. not the vaccines per se. Right, right okay. A total of 279,023 individuals in the first phase of the National COVID-19 Immunization Program have completed receiving both doses of their vaccine shots as of yesterday. Health Minister Dasut Sri Adam Baba said 508,481 individuals were given the first dose during the same period. Now, putting things into perspective with over 36 million Malaysians and only about 800,000 vaccinated so far. You know, in your opinion, are we going too slow? We are, because when you talk about the vaccination rate or speed, you got to really look at the details in the numbers because uh, the better measurement here is on the number of individuals vaccinated per 100,000 population. Mm. And in this regard, the three big states in Malaysia, Johor, Selangor and Sabah, really lag behind in this regard, right? Um, because when you look at the uh, per-vaccinated 100,000 population by states, Sabah is the l- slowest, followed closely by Selangor and then Johor. Um, and of course, the reason is because, uh, the primary reason at least, is because there's no human beings to carry out the vaccinations. Because as we spoke earlier before the break just now, vaccines aren't the problems, it's actually the vaccination that is the problem. Member of the task force, Selangor task force, uh, COVID-19 task force, Dr. Hilmi Zakaria argues that at the risk of oversimplification, the primary health uh, system inherited an 80-20 phenomenon, especially in the urban areas, 
where 80% of primary care providers are in the private setting and private hospitals, private clinics, that's that. Um, mm-hmm. And only 20% is in the public sector. So when you have, you know, 100 doctors and only 20 of them are in the public sector and of that 20, maybe one or two that is carrying out the vaccinations because you still need doctors in the public sector to do all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have people to vaccinate. So there is a call by the Minister of Health to uh, shore up the kind of people that can do the vaccination process, including GPs, you know, your typical clinic, uh, neighborhood clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of them, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, requirements that they must know how to uh, execute the vaccinations. Um, there is a proper trending going on there as well and a proper mechanism to actually monitor the fact that they are indeed, you know, um, vaccinating the people that properly it's a lot of work to get the vaccination process up and running. So it's not just about not enough people are registering, but not enough people to actually carry out the actual vaccinations in the first place. It's slowing things down. Yeah, absolutely. And because of this, you can only think about uh, the current status right now, only the Pusat uh, vaccination in some of the big states. And that's why uh, you have all these clog up numbers. Because if you think about the vaccination process, you go there, you register yourself, and then you take the shot and then you sit somewhere to be observed at a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. then you leave and at any point in time they want to maintain the maximum number of people within the vaccination center so imagine the clog that happens at these voting centers sorry at these vaccination centers Mm -hmm. and that's why smaller states like uh, like perlis putrajaya labuan have very high people uh, uh, being vaccinated per 100,000 population. Right. Um, Labuan uh, has about 2,000 people vaccinated per 1,000. Putrajaya has 1,900 people vaccinated per 1,000 because the clogging it doesn't happen at these um, vaccination centres as it does in Penang or Kedah and Perak and all the other big states. Foreign Minister Dasar Srihishmanudin Hussain was criticised for referring to China as Malaysia's big brother during a meeting with his Chinese counterpart Wang Yi. It seems arbitrary, but Malaysians do generally refer to people as, you know, Pachi, Machi, Ane, Uncle, Auntie. So in your opinion, was it wrong for the Foreign Minister to use the word or the term big brother? Yeah, I'm, I'm the wrong guy to ask this. You know why? Because I don't think it's wrong at all. Yeah, it's not a big deal, right? Because, like, you know, and it's not new for us to pander towards China. We've been doing this since the 1400s, you know, with Parameswarka and the lot. <laughs> so I'm not too sure where this hatred is coming from. Uh, if you think about it, we are a small nation. We are a seafaring nation. We're stuck in between major economies around the world, including that of China and India. Mm. It comes to uh, a logical conclusion for us to pander towards either China or India in this part of the world. And then, of course, uh, uh, the US and perhaps maybe one of these days to Russia as well. So it's about trying to make amends with all the mess that we've had over the past few years with these big players. And um, uh, we are short of cash. And countries like China are rich enough to sponsor and finance some of our infrastructure projects. The issue now is how much do we give away to them? It's not just about the money and the projects that we, we, that we give to them. It's about the legitimacy of such projects that we give to them, such as, say, for instance, the high-speed rail or some of the port developments in Malaysia or even airports. These kind of jobs we have to give to somebody because they, these somebodies have the cash to do it. We mm-hmm. don't have the cash. Um, and if it means uh, Ishamuddin going to China and saying that, you know, oh, you're my big brother, Taiko, and all that, I think it only makes business sense. Now, 
perhaps the reason of hatred comes from the fact that he's from the ruling coalition and we all know that the population is currently having an unpleasant moment with the current coalition and because of that there is some trickle down effect into hating him as well so perhaps that's where the hatred is coming from but mm. from a business uh, investment strategy i see no reason calling these people big brother Environment and Water Minister Dasuk Sri Tuan Ibrahim said a fine of up to 15 million is being proposed for those found guilty of committing scheduled waste pollution and this was among the proposed amendments to the Environment Quality Act 1974 that was currently being reviewed. So with so many unscheduled disruptions over the past two years especially how pertinent is this move to increase the fine for those who actually pollute our water source? Yeah, it's about the comprehensive ability for us to manage pollution very Recently, we have resumed importing trash from the US. So I'm not too sure if it's a comprehensive strategy for us to, you know, uh, have greater fines for those committing uh, scheduled waste pollution, and then at the same time importing literal trash from the US and all the other first world developed countries. So it's not just about uh, the move to increase the fine. It's about having a comprehensive strategy of reducing waste altogether. perhaps we can start with not importing trash from the first world is it enough to say that we've got enough to deal with with our own trash oh yeah definitely because uh, do you know of any you know nationwide waste management strategy that is currently being employed either by the federal government or state government the answer mm. to that is there's none there's no comprehensive strategy to manage landfills to manage waste uh, water to manage uh, uh, chemical waste Every now and then we have the very sad story of Sungai Kim Kim in Johor Bahru where literal people died because of the waste pollution there not to mention mm. all the wildlife so it's about having a comprehensive strategy that looks at all of this now you were mentioning Datuk Sri uh, Tuan Ibrahim talking about a fine being 15 million and all that mm. yeah it's important but it's also understandable for us to have a very convoluted strategy on how this is going to be rolled out legal wise because rivers are under the state uh, purview Uh, the water itself is under the federal uh, jurisdiction and then enforcement is under both the local uh, authorities as well as police which is uh, under federal authorities so we're looking at a very convoluted manner on how we are going to look at finding these individuals assuming this uh, uh, law uh, pulls through mm-hmm. so it's not just about managing water pollution per se it's about who has the ability to do it mm. think about it right let's say we do this 15 million uh, fine proposal and then let's say it's pushed through the parliament for some reason even though we don't have a parliament currently and let's Obviously, say that going this to ask is that, yeah how would this you know amendment be passed especially with an emergency so, anyway yeah so so there's two ways to this number one is passing it through an emergency ordinance the way we saw emergency ordinances of the past uh, few weeks being passed through but i don't know whether this qualifies to be an emergency ordinance and therefore we have to wait until parliament resumes whenever that uh, date could whenever be whenever that is um, right? mm-hmm. whenever that is so you know everything is hypothetical right now so assuming lah assuming everything is done and dusted we can have the parliament the environmental quality act 1974 is going to be passed through and amended because of this then the question is who gets to enact it is it the state government is it the federal authorities is it the uh, state uh, uh, authorities because you have each and every single state has this uh, what do you call this uh, enf- enforcement agency or can the police come in and if the police comes in what powers do they have do they act within the uh acta police or do they act within the acta environmental quality so i don't know what is happening there all we need to know is number one what is the overall strategy for managing waste in this country before we jump into all this you know fines and all that 
Because if we don't have a bigger overarching policy on managing waste, all this is moved. Malaysia's paid 320 million to Singapore for costs incurred for the development of the Kuala Lumpur-Singapore high-speed rail project and in relation to the extension of its suspension. The two countries have reached an amicable agreement on the amount following a verification process by the Malaysian government. Now, with such a heavy penalty being paid, was cancelling this project the right move to save money on Malaysia's part? The word is save, uh, technically, we were trying mm. to save money right from this yeah well okay look uh, i think even the case of having a high-speed rail to singapore was hugely debated when it was first announced back in 2015 between najib praza and uh, uh lee sin lung signing the agreement mm. uh, with uh, a distance that is so short uh you don't what you wonder why do we need a high-speed rail and then of course how does this impact our airports between Changi and KLIA, which has already seen dismal uh, numbers going down, and then of course now with COVID and all that. So it's th- the fact that we have a high-speed rail project to begin with was already problematic. Tapi tak apalah, we move on from that. Right, right. Let's say we need the high-speed rail project. Then the question is, how do we do the procurement uh, process? Uh, and what was done or what was agreed upon before this was that uh, the procurement process was a joint thing. Um, Singapore had a 50% say, Malaysia has a 50% say. But since uh, Tun Mahathir took over in 2018, he says that the procurement process was uh, problematic and therefore we have to do the procurement process. Malaysia has to bear the bigger majority of how we select companies. And of course, some would argue that this is to uh, at least favour some Malaysian companies in the process of building the high-speed rail. And this is, of course, something that Singapore disagreed. And because of that, Malaysia took the arbitrary, uh, took the unilateral mo- motion to actually terminate this project. So when Malaysia terminated the project, it's like, dude, you signed it with me. You now cancelling it. You have to pay for it. Correct. Mm. And because of this, Malaysia paid for it. And the fact that we only paid 320 million ringgit was kind of an interesting deal. This is, you know, to be frank, a smaller sum than was uh, initially agreed because uh, it was supposed to be far, far higher yeah, than billions, that. So the yeah. fact that, yeah, yeah, the fact that we only paid 300 million is 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 already an interesting penalty. It's a small rate. That means Singapore actually cut some slack. So the question now is, uh, this is a misadventure that has cost the government so much money in terms of uh, you know initiating the project, uh, employing contractors and workers. I have some friends who are working in the HSR project now. They don't have a job. Uh, so you got to think about the human impact of and it. And some people and bought land, bought a lot of things. Uh, they invested yeah, in yeah, places that were close to stations. Now, hang on. But having said that, I don't blame these people. Because, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to <laughs> pity these people because they're speculative in their nature. So, <laughs> right, you know, right. I mean, yeah. they took, a, they went into the purchase of the land with eyes wide open. Um, and this is what happens when you speculate in buying property. But that's not the point. The point is that <laughs> we have spent so much time and money and talent and people and, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, bilateral agreement with Singapore and bilateral relationship with Singapore, our closest and perhaps friendliest neighbor right now, we have wasted so much time and effort. And at the end of it all, what do we have to show for it? We have a 320 million ringgit bill to pay. So it's a real misadventure of epic proportions here.